Hi, this is Brooke Lurie, and this is the Brooke Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much. And with me, of course, is my producer and friend, Ari David. Always a pleasure. You know, we have um, a recent development that uh, occurred about this flag business on Cinco de Mayo, which was yesterday. And apparently there was a school in, um, uh, in California somewhere. I don't really care. It was some, some school that decided that they were going to ban the wearing of T-shirts or any kind of shirt that had the American flag on it. Okay? So, uh, you know, this evokes all sorts of issues. Um, the, the, the most notable being, like, what the hell happened? <laughs> What's going on here? This is craziness. And when, when I was in law school, or better yet, when I was in college, what I had noticed was that the biggest issue, at least regarding the flag, was whether or not burning the American flag or otherwise defacing it was uh, a constitutional, right? And by and large, they, they said, well, yes, it's, uh, it's okay to do that uh, so long as it doesn't violate other environmental laws or something else. Obviously, you can't burn a flag inside a, uh, a schoolyard, for example, or inside a school itself. That, that or in a high uh, danger forest during a hot sand yeah. and a wind day that'll cause a forest fire or something. Right. Or a gas station. <laughs> a gas station. Kaboom! Right. Uh, so that's, you know, but if, if the point of it is to, to burn it because, specifically because of what it represents, meaning the 13 stripes and the 50 stars, well then, you know, then, then that is constitutional. Uh, that was the issue of the day, whether burning the flag was a constitutional expression of free ideas, right? Now we've come full circle. Now the question is whether or not just presenting the flag proudly in, in loving support of the flag, whether that is itself some sort of protest speech that is protected by the First Amendment. I mean, it, it's, so, it's such a bizarre world that we've entered, right? It, yeah, it's, it's even worse, though, because the rationale for banning that Wearing that demonstration of, of patriotism was for the safety of those demonstrating the patriotism. Where in the Constitution does it say that you have to guarantee your own safety to exercise a constitutional right? Sure, sure. Why, why not say that, um, you know, that I should. The I Selma should... marchers can't march because they might get sprayed with water and hurt, you know? One of the things that, you know, why not ban this very podcast? Maybe, maybe somebody's out there listening to this, you know, whittling a knife thinking, I'm going to get me that Barack Lurie guy, <laughs> right? I mean, so they're shutting me down. They're telling me that I can't put this up on the website because, by golly, they're doing it for my own safety. Thank you, government. Thank you so much. Um, look, you know what? I'll, I'll take my chances uh, you know, because I, I, I speak conservatively and so on. I also have my radio show. In fact, why not, why not ban all radio broadcasting? Oh, wait a minute. That's right. They're already trying to do that. But why not ban all conservative talk radio because on the grounds that uh, it might be uh, dangerous for Rush Limbaugh and Dennis Prager and Mark Levin and, and so on. Uh, okay, I mean, it's, it's obviously stupid, right? But this is, I bring this up because of such a turn of events. It, it, it's, if we were living 50 years ago and we were to hear that these are the headlines of the year 2014, we would just say, what has happened? Like, let me get this straight. You're saying that wearing the flag or, or even bringing a flag to a school, an American school, mind you. A public A, a public school. American school, that that itself can be banned? 
What what is going? What has Acts happened? Acts of patriotism in support of your own nation. Right. They would want. <laughs> they would want to know what. Can you please help connect the dots of how we, how the frig we got to that that position, right? <laughs> so, I mean, there are other absurdities that I think that people from 50 years ago would say, "Excuse me," I, I, not even scratch their heads. They would, they would just say, "Are you kidding me?" One of those is IDs for voting, and, and that that you that it's somehow a violation of a person's constitutional right to vote. By, dem- by requiring that they have an ID before they vote. I, I, they would, I, 50 I, years ago, they'd say, you mean you don't need to show ID to vote? I mean, then how do you know who's voting? That, that's right. It's just, can, can this you, is so absurd. Can you address the counterpoint, though? Wait, 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 wait oh, hold on. Hold on. Okay. One more. Give, give, welcome. I welcome your thoughts on other things, but one more uh, example of, well, you know, frankly, gay marriage. I think people would be floored about that. This is, it's one thing to, to, to recognize it. I, I kind of get that. Okay. And again, putting aside whether it's right or wrong, but to, to declare it the greatest constitutional civil rights issue of our day, equating that to the march in, in on Washington, uh, Washington by Martin Luther King and so on. I mean, really, this is what you're going to say. Um, I, I, that, to, to read those headlines, people would be thinking, this is a joke. This must be a joke, because that, that ain't the America that I know, and in addition to so many other crazy things. But we've, we've kind of talked about this before. We're talking about the people of the past, talking to the people of the present, right? Remember that one? Absolutely. So and they're still asking me, what, boy, what in the hell is wrong with you? Right. So um, anyway. Uh, yeah, but, but address the counterpoint. Yeah, what yeah. about, it, it's obvious to me, and I think you'd agree that on Cinco de Mayo, any student is more than welcome to wear a demonstration of the Mexican flag if they want to show, uh, say, fidelity to the holiday. Yeah, right. That's, that's true. And 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 then to take it one step further, but in public schools now, like in in an area that I live in, they've banned demonstrations of Easter for the Easter holiday week. Right. Very soon they've, and you know they've done this before, is they've banned the term Merry Christmas. You're only allowed to say Happy Holidays. Now, Christmas and Easter are not aligned with any nation state, but like Cinco de Mayo, there's a holiday associated with them. Yeah. And it's, it's all crazy. I mean, you can also say, well, what about St. Paddy's Day, right? People wear Irene and, and Irish flags and uh, they, they they have Irish themes for everything. Is that uh, anyway? It, it, it's obviously too stupid, right? Yes. And and the the only way they can say that it's okay to do this is is for the sense of keeping peace and order, but that's madness. Now there is something in the Constitution, sorry, the Constitution analysis, where it says that children are different. Okay, so when we're talking about high schools and junior high schools and so on, there can be a lot more regulation. And, and what we say that kids can and can't do, um, but uh, under the theory that children are different. And, and that, it's a, it's a clear carve-out in the constitutional analysis. You can have principals search through your lockers, for example, in a public school because children are different. They, they need more protection. There's, they can't make independent thought the same way that we can. They're not even allowed to engage in contracts. Like yeah, you and I, as the parents, are allowed to tell them what they can and can't say, what they can and can't yeah. do. That's right. So th- that's, that's one of the key distinctions. But at the same time, they do offer all sorts of constitutional protections to children. For example, uh, in the past few decades, 
you're now allowed to wear a T-shirt saying anything that you damn well please because that's a freedom of expression idea, right? So you can say, you know, F the draft on your T-shirt or just F you, generally speaking, with, the, with just for fun. Um, and for that matter, F the president or so on. Um, and you're, you're allowed to do that. And not only that, but you're also allowed to talk back to the teacher and because that's an expression of free, uh, of free speech. Well, my question on that or my response to that is, which is it? Are children different or are they not different? If they are truly different, then don't tell me that you... Uh, that they are allowed that they are allowed to express themselves as anybody else would, and say f the draft or f you on your T-shirt, and at the same time tell me um, that children are different in every other way. Okay, so either you you, you can't have it both is, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so moving on to the next topic, which is equally bizarre to me, and it's something I've been thinking about, which is the issue of guns. Um, it just dawned on me. As I was studying, well, finally, yeah, I was studying the the history. Today is uh, the Independence Day in Israel, and I'm so pleased about that. 66 years of this wondrous nation that has offered so much uh, to the world in terms of invention, medicine, uh, humor, uh, culture, you name it. Israel has has done great work behind it, and to say nothing of the humanitarian stuff. But you know, Israel is also a country that uh, has guns. Um, most people there are in a reserve status for the army, if they're not already in the army, and they function beautifully. And there are guns everywhere, everywhere. So, but there's great control in that uh, society. Uh, there's, you really don't have to worry about living in a fascist state by any stretch. On the contrary, in many ways, it's more Democrat and less uh, fearful whatsoever in, in Israel than it is here. Um, so, what am I, why am I bringing this up? Because it makes me think of a society that didn't have any guns, and that was Germany during World War II, right? Who had the guns? That's right, the government. And they engaged in the wholesale slaughter of millions and millions of people, 11 million more or less, uh, just by the Nazis alone. And this was, uh, you know, this was the result of people not having guns. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is you pick your poison, Mr. Liberal. If you're against uh, guns and you're really rah-rah gun control and you think that the only people who should have guns are the police force and the military, then I think what you really want is you're for structured mayhem <laughs> and, and a lot more mayhem, by the way, because the, the government knows how to kill people in, in the millions. Yes. And if they don't, they'll figure it out if that's they right. want to. You give guns to people, yes, you'll have the, the rogue maniac, like the guy in Connecticut, like the, the crazy or guy. Or a post office yeah. shooting. Right. Or, there. or the guy in Colorado, but just only because those are famous events recently, and, and also, in a, and I believe it was in Georgia recently. Yes, that, that'll happen from time to time. It, and the, it's horrific, it's horrible, but don't tell me for a moment that uh, somehow you'd, you'd trade the government doing this on a massive scale so that you can't have any of it happening on the civil scale, on the, on the uh, small, on civil, random, small random scale. Acid. And you would never stop it anyway because it's, it's gonna, people are going to have access to that regardless. 
Uh, now, they'll say to you, Mr. Lurie, and that's, that's absurd. You, you, we're not saying for a moment that we want a fascistic government. But, but, but in, in a sense, you do, my friend. Because when you say, when you're insisting on no guns by anybody, make sure that nobody has the right to have guns, you're giving so much power, more power, to the government. And that's what our founding fathers understood when they enacted the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights. They, they, they made it the Second Amendment because they understood how important it was for the citizenry to be able to stand up to the government. And it's always a, it was a check. No, no, not, not stand up. Regulate the government. Right. The first line of the Second Amendment is a well-regulated militia. In Nazi Germany, you had an unregulated militia, and you saw the results. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand right? what you're saying. So, I do. so the, the armed citizenry puts a regulation, a check on the military, on the police forces. It, it holds everyone to account. Yeah, it, it does. And you want the government to think twice about going a little too crazy, uh, overstepping their bounds. You want them to think twice about it. That's okay. I don't mind that. Um, we are the citizenry. If we are truly the government, if we the people are truly the government, then, then why should we surrender all of our power, whether it's by guns or otherwise, to the government, right. a, separate, a separate entity? We give our consent to be governed within the civil society. We don't give our consent to be dominated or ruled. Right. Yeah. And, that, 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 that's the, where the they miss out. The bulwark of, of private uh, armament ownership provides the, the firewall against that. Right. Here's, here's my point on this. You don't realize it, but you are basically making a choice. Either you are for the inevitable government mayhem that will come. It'll be structured in its own way, and it'll be in the millions, maybe hundreds of thousands if we're lucky. Uh, but that is the inevitable step toward fascism, toward autocratic rule, let's put it that way. That's one of the first things you would do as, as a dictator is to make sure that your citizenry doesn't have any guns, right? That's, that, that makes it all the more easy to, 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 to move forward. To eliminate political opponents. Yeah, you, you, you don't have to worry because the citizenry doesn't have any guns. Uh, they're stupid. Uh, they, they've given me so much power that, that now at this point I can do what I want. Um, checks and balances, my friend, checks and balances. And the only thing you have, and it's a, tra a tragic thing, when you do have some guns available, uh, is you have this very sad situation from time to time, very rarely, thankfully, of this mayhem from one nut or, or that or another nut doing something crazy, like, like they did in Connecticut and Colorado and, and so on. There are quite a few examples. Would we like them to never happen? Of course. Of course we would. But don't think for a moment. Don't think for a moment that by engaging in massive regulation of guns, that you're going to stop that. How do I know that? Because all the, all the places where they had massive regulations of guns, that's where the crime is the highest. Can I, uh, can I uh, respectfully disagree with you? Oh, please. Well, I think, I think you haven't gone far enough with this point. Okay. I think the individual shootings, the mass shootings that occasionally happens, are also a result, like you just said, the way... The way uh, Violent crime on, on larger scales in certain urban areas is a result of the, uh, the, the proliferation of anti-gun regulation. Right. Because if a shooting breaks out, and let's just say it's the Aurora shooting in the, in the movie theater, and every, out of every 100 people, 10 have a gun, and there are 
like 400 people in the theater, that means there's 40 people who have guns. So when a lone nut does pull out a gun and starts popping people off, oh yeah, no, you're, the you're, you're response saying, yeah. you're, is you're, so much quicker. You're saying that that it it enables the bad guys to do so much more. And this is one of the right. this and, is one of the oh, this okay. is one of the arguments that we we as uh, who support the Second Amendment that we make, and that is that you know it's it's good to have good guys have guns. Who can stop bad guys who have guns? It's it's just. The, the mathematical equation is so clear, crystal clear. Perfect two plus two equals four. Yeah. And not only that, when bad guys know good guys have guns, they're less inclined to be bad guys. Unless they're trying to commit suicide by cop or suicide by, right. uh, you know, yeah, yeah, gunshot yeah. response. We're, we're, we're agreeing. We're agreeing. Yeah. Let's move on to the other observation. I was being sarcastic once. So no, I of course. With you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we didn't go far enough. It's, it's, you're sarcastic in the way that uh, some of my liberal friends... I disagree with Obama because he's not liberal Liberal enough. Liberal enough, right. right. (laughs) I understand. So here's another issue, kind of a dichotomy that, uh, again, has surfaced, which is uh, the notion of legalizing drugs. Now, we had a little discussion, you and I, about this yesterday where, you know, and I want to contrast the libertarian side of it versus the liberal side of it. And I really want to focus on the liberal approach to um, uh, legalizing drugs. The liberal side of legalizing drugs is very different than the libertarian side. The libertarian side basically argues, right or wrong, that uh, it's a reflection of getting the government off of our backs, right? Let us make our own mistakes. Thank you very much. Government, you're, who are you to tell us how to, yeah. how, how to, how to, how to smoke our, our brain out or to, to dumb down our brains? Fine. Right. Okay. But also, I think it's important to note that we do want penalties for people who act out for the bad things they do. I know. I'm not even, I'm not even the going there. Yeah. I'm not even going there. Right. I'm simply saying the libertarian approach is simply, who are you to tell us uh, what to do with our own bodies, right? And, and it's a reflection of limited government. Yes. So that they're consistent. The libertarian is consistent in the same way they don't want to be taxed very much. In fact, if at all. Uh, they don't want to be forced to, to do X, Y, or Z in terms of regulations, that they want the government out of a certain industry. Yeah, it's an issue of freedom, and it's that's freedom. it. That's it. With the liberals, it's an issue of creating mayhem and yeah. disorder. That's the way they view it. Uh, consistent with so many other things that they do, the breaking down of the family, for example, the liberal sees the legalizing of drugs as yet another opportunity of breaking down society. They may not see it as such. The, you know, the liberal sitting down on the couch next, next to us right now would say, come on, Barack, that is crazy talk. We're not for breaking down society. I believe in, in, in the structured society. Uh, but they'll never, when you push comes to shove, you actually engage them in this debate. They won't be able, actually able to, to show what divisions, where the line can stop. What are you, what are you really for in terms of uh, legalizing drugs. Are, are there any drugs, for example, that you would say uh, this should, goes should too be? Far, keep it back. goes too far. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, in, in the end, my personal belief is that this is just a reflection of trying to dismantle society. That's what it is. In the um, in the what's libertarian the side. No, no. In the um, in the in the same sense that Obama, the book that he read. What was the book? Uh, Saul Alinsky. That's rules for the rules for radicals yeah. approach. Tear down everything first and then build, right? Yeah, essentially another aspect of critical theory. Right. And how do I prove this? How, do, how can I show this? Well, it's not 100% provable, but I can tell you one thing. 
I disagree again. I think it is 100% provable. I'll prove it. All right. I can show you. Well, I'll, I'll wait for you to tell me, but I want, I want to show the dichotomy of something because it, it shows the hypocrisy of that liberal approach to it. Not the libertarian, the liberal approach to it. Because the classic liberal is also for making cigarettes illegal. And they want to tax it to death. They want to uh, demonize it to death. They want to shame it to death. Okay, they're good with that. But when it comes to pot or other even stronger drugs, it's totally cool, man. Totally cool. They should legalize that till the cows come home. And they also embrace it by saying, and you can tax it. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's, that to me is the gigantic divide between libertarianism and liberalism in that libertarians don't look at the legalization of anything as an excuse to tax anything. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is... Because I don't want to get. I know the, the tax I'm, issue is a canard to cover up the truth that the entire liberal legalization movement is about chaos and decadence and the right. breaking down of all that's right with the moral fiber of yeah. society. Well, it begs the question: Why are they so against cigarettes, which does not give you a high in the classic sense, doesn't destroy your brain cells in the same way that pot does, or other drugs do certainly? Why is it they're so against that? And yet, at the same time, and, and they, would, they would be for the banning of cigarettes if they could. Yeah. But they're totally cool with pot, which also has secondhand smoke effects. Right. And has all sorts of health effects. Yeah, I was going to actually mention that because that's a huge issue. What, what, when yeah. you smoke indoors, they, they have a conniption. If you were to smoke pot indoors, oh, no problem. It's just for, it's, it's medicine. That, that's right. Yeah. So, so how do they square that? That's what I'm, I'm curious about. Now... Uh, you, you were going to say how you can prove that the quest to legalize drugs reflects an attempt to dismantle society. And I, I'd right. like to hear it. And, and the other end of it, as well as what you just brought up, and the quest to demonize and make illegal all these other things that are currently legal. And uh, we were talking off, off air about this yesterday, about, and I brought up to you the idea of retributive regulation. And you looked at me funny and said, what the hell is that? Oh, I know what that means. And I yeah. said, um, plastic bags, barbecues, internal combustion engines, alcohol, cigarettes. These people want to ban these things not because they think the banning of them will help, although they float the canard for various reasons to ban these certain things, incandescent light bulbs, whatever, for global warming, plastic bags so they don't choke a harp seal to death, whatever. But they, they do so to make life more difficult and to get revenge on the things they feel were made uh, criminal to possess or use at the, that inconvenience them, like pot, like pornography. Oh, I see. So you're, you're saying basically... It's revenge. Uh, it's revenge. You, you want to stick it to the establishment, and the establishment is represented by cigarettes, and uh, they, on the contrary, uh, want to have the freedom to do what, they was, what was previously criminalized. So, in other words, they want to turn the world upside down. Yes, and in turning, and part and parcel of, of critical theory, which in, essentially is to make everything unworkable, resulting in total chaos, into the communist or hardcore leftist who have the idea that once the, the rubble has been made out of the stones of society in this chaos, you can then rebuild it in your own image. It's just a further of that chaos. It's, it's furthering the destruction, the 
the reverberations throughout society, the, the lack of clear thinking that drugs brings, right. all that. It's not about getting high for your own personal enjoyment in your I own got home. I got it. I, I, think that, I think that's an interesting point you make. But regardless of what the, the intent is, it's the effect, right? The, the, the legalizing of pot and other hard drugs. Yeah, but I'm saying they know the effects. I, I, I understand. They, they, the, the effect of whether you think it's you know, the most wonderful, lofty ideas, even if you're libertarian on this, the effect of legalizing drugs and legalizing harder drugs is to dismantle society right. at the end of the day. And um, I think that's their actual cynical purpose. I think you do too. Yes, I do. And uh, we're going to see more and more of this crap coming out of it because it comes out, and it is crap, folks. And I, I, I understand that crap is sometimes considered a hard word, but sometimes it, it's deserving as it is in this case. In, the, in this podcast, it's really the only available word right. other than a more hard for a letter word to describe this because they look at like you know the sort of needle park in in geneva where the heroin addicts can do shoot up out in the open right right the liberal doesn't look at that the way we as conservatives look at that as blight as a tragedy of the human soul as this horrible thing they look at that as whoa there's more people who could use government assistance yeah it's it's all well clearly they don't think things through but then again as we always say you can never accuse a liberal of thinking things through. Yeah, but in the Soviet Union, for instance, the one thing that never ran out was vodka because the government realized that if the population was drunk, they were easier to control. The liberal yeah. loves the inebriated citizen. It's funny. What you're saying is a god isn't the opiate of the masses. Opium is the opiate of the masses. Yes. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Yes. And I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, this is the effect of of uh, a society where the ultimate purpose, where, the, where you don't think things through. This is the bizarre inconsistencies that we engage in when there is no moral center, where there is no guiding principles, there's no fixed set of values. This is what happens. This is the madness that we now encounter. We just talked about three of them, right? And they seem to be unrelated but they are really are not related. They're, They're the not. same They're very similar. exact issue, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, you end up with bizarre, bizarre inconsistencies where the world turns upside down on itself, whether that is the guns that we just talked about, whether the government or the citizenry should have it or a combination of both of them having it, the drugs that we just talked about, which is, you know, on the one hand, drugs are wonderful, but cigarettes are evil, how that Turns out, I, I just don't. Yeah, how they can. It, it's, it's bizarre to think that. Right. You know, and all, then, all, all unhealthy things are unhealthy. Right. Does it really matter? Right. Can't we just say unhealthy is unhealthy and leave it at that and say, right. hey, kids, see these things? It's better if you stay away from them. Right. And then finally, you know, the complete turnaround of, of the flag. The of American, patriotism. Of, yeah. of how we turn that around. That the patriotism itself is unconstitutional. Yeah, you know, you made a great point. Remember our last podcast where you talked about Windex being the cleaner that works on everything? Right. And you made the analog to capitalism as this Windex that solves so many problems. I think you nailed it when you said a minute ago, if you have a moral compass, if God is in the home and in the family and in the public square, if moral values are proliferating throughout society, then it wouldn't matter whether any of these substances are legal. Because most people would have a strong moral fiber and moral core so that if they were exposed to them, either by ingesting or saw others do it, they'd know, you know what, 
that's an experience I had, but now let me go back to the church. Let me go back to the They, they would know it's wrong. They, they would, would know it's wrong. Yeah, to the court. It doesn't have to be illegal, but it, they would know that it's wrong. Yeah, we, we drink wine on, on the Sabbath and say right. the, the uh, prayer when we do right. our uh, Shabbat service, but we don't drink a whole bottle. Right. We drink a sip. That's right. And, and also I use fire to cook, but I also know not to commit arson in the process, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, these are kind of... These they're are clear. obvious. They're, it's first grade. It's kindergarten. Right. But, <laughs> you but, know? but we, are, we live in the, the time where we have to explain things all over again. That's, that's the age we live in. Well, Dennis Prager calls is that it, really an age? Because I was thinking about that. Isn't that just a reality that as each new generation of people come up, our children, we tell them the stories of the past to relearn? Well, the, the I, mean, I know you're trying to serve on a broader yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, your operative phrase there was the children. Okay? So... When, oh, not the adults. <laughs> that's right. That's what I'm talking about. Like when, when I find myself, you know, I, I talk to my son about um, a little David who fought Goliath, right? And I enjoyed it because I was telling But I remember telling him the story. The first time he heard it, he was very excited about it. For me, I'd heard it many times. It's in the mother's milk at this point. But I'm telling to him for the first time. It's the great relearning. That's fine. That's wonderful. That's what kids do. They're supposed to learn these things. And you have to teach them. In fact, that's your role as a parent is to teach them. They don't learn it on themselves, uh, by themselves, contrary to what liberals think, right? You must inculcate a sense of doing what is good for the children as opposed to just hoping that they'll figure it out on their own and leave it to their hearts, whatever that means. Yeah, by osmosis, they'll figure out Noah, Adam yes, and Eve, every... and Abel, George Washington. Right, yeah. You know? so, and it's our shared culture as well. You, I mean, putting aside whether or not you actually even believe in God, you know, just it's just good to know what our shared culture is so that we can speak the same language when you say phrases like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, um, you know, let he who cast the first stone. Phrases that we, we are now part of our culture, just to know it. But that's another story. But it's very different when you have to explain to, to people, adults, people who are in some cases older than 40. These very people are people that uh, you need to explain the most basic things uh, you need do you really need to explain to them for example that capitalism was the greatest force for good in the, in the past 3000 years that there's no other system that has ever worked but you do have to explain it apparently you you all you have to do is to say okay well tell me any other system that works my friend any other system and they 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 just don't know well i'm sure there are other people who disagree with you that's not a good enough answer my, my friend, it's just not good enough. You need to think this through. You need to tell me specifically why it is that you are so uh, um, behind a bizarre philosophy called liberalism. It's one thing to say to me, I don't know. I respect that. But don't take a position, uh, and, and for that matter, a very hard position against mine when you don't know. So, uh, so and, and I have to explain, that's why I call it the age of having to explain things all over again. Dennis Prager calls it the age of stupidity. I call it the age of having to explain things all over again. I don't think the people listening are stupid, necessarily. I think that they just haven't been informed, and you need to explain it all over again. Well, I think there's a, a collective amnesia that hits societies every so many generations where they forget what kind of horrors the past went through because of these very ideas. And then our political leaders, our cultural leaders, have the audacity, the, the evil audacity, to call the great traditions that brought us from the swamps to the stars things like 
the tired old ideas of the past or just an outdated constitution, or right. just a bunch of um, uh, anti-feminist uh, claptrap, misogynistic right. claptrap for the Bible or whatever. Oh, just, the, yeah. just this week, John Kerry, our Secretary of State, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, I do, I do. Criticized religious texts for being 2,000 years old and out of date right. with, with modernity. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, oh, totally ignoring that. Yeah. What got us from antiquity to modernity? Maybe it was that 2,000-year-old text. So, so this, this is on the heels of his uh, apartheid comment regarding Israel, <laughs> yes. right? Which is, uh, he, just, he just doesn't know when to stop digging, does he? So, I mean, this is only, you know, he, he had a good, uh, like, three days where <laughs> you know, the cameras weren't back on him. But, you know, he's, he's, um, he's reaching the next level of, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get the Joe Biden Award very soon. You know, if, he, if he's not careful. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, but but you're right. It's a, it's a it's a good point. It seems like they're not only neglecting the past, but it seems as if they're engaged in a concerted effort to demean and at best minimize the past's significance. That's the last thing they want to learn from the religion. That's antiquated. It's the failed policies of the past, as you call it. Uh, as, as Obama likes to call it over and over again, it's a mantra, and uh, and they really, I think they really believe it first of all, and they act accordingly and consistently with that, and that's why we are where we are, with these crazy, crazy dichotomies. The three which we spoke about just a little while ago, because there is no guiding force behind all of this, and that's something that should terrify all of us. Because if you think those three things that we talked about the drugs, the guns, and the patriotism issue. Do you, if, if you think that that's it, you've got another thing coming. We're going to see a lot more bizarre behavior just like this as we go forward. And we talked about some of the predictions for the future. You know, that pornography will be considered uh, a, 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 um, something that empowers you instead of degrades you. This it's, is, just, it's just this something is where it's you all do when you turn 18. Right. This is this is an example yeah. of what we're talking Instead about. Instead of a bar mitzvah, it's like, have, have you released your tape yet? Right. <laughs> and this is where we are. And at the end of the day, this is what we're going to have to deal with. And the only way to fight back is to constantly push forward and say, what is your set of values? What will you stand up for? What will you fight for? And when you can do that, we might have a chance, a fighting chance, to get back to where we should be in this great country of ours. Folks, this is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Let's do it.